welcome to AMO Kenzoku, episode 37. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who talk about alt things, anime, manga, and related subjects that fall in between. The Kenzoku are myself, Nick. I'm Dylan. I'm Sam. Hey all, I'm Mike. And we are recording today's episode on August 17th, 2023. And the topic for tonight is perhaps my favorite OVA of all time. Uh, top or Nerai Gumbuster, or Aim for the Top Gumbuster. So I guess I'll open up with just, you know, some, some factoids. So... It was uh, it was an OVA produced between uh, eighty eight and eighty nine, and I believe it was Hideaki Anno's directorial debut. Mike can uh, fact check me on that one. Well, not counting the fan film of The Return of Ultraman that I think got at least some release anyway. But oh, and before I forget, Mike, you actually had something you wanted to add from uh, last week, so. Uh, a bit of I mentioned last time when we were discussing Cowboy Bebop airing around the time of Nia it, I was right that it, its original airing was cut short but it originally aired April until June 1998 so it would have been closer to Nia than I had thought based on the starting earlier in the year like the manga did you mean Lane? Uh, yeah, it would have been closer to Lane. Sorry. <laughs> I am getting all my shows mixed up now. <laughs> so, well, given that timeline, that means that the original airing was closer to, what, like 13 episodes? They're about uh, 2, 3, 7 to 15, so that's, let's see, 10 plus 18 in a special, so 12 eps, give or take, I think. Wow, so really, like... Over half the show was actually not aired in its original run. Yeah, including a lot of the, uh, well, pretty much the entire main story arc, really. Oh, fascinating. So do you know which episode was the last air date episode, then? Uh, let's see. Last air date episode would have been, um, ep 18, I believe, Speak Like a Child, and then oh, they did whoa. a clip show called Mishmash Blues to finish off the season on June 26th that ends with the words, apparently, this is not the end, you will see the real Cowboy Bebop someday. <laughs> wow, that's kind of a an Evo-like ending in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's definitely one of those ones that also uh, is one of those things where, as a... Super Otaku would always be upset. People be like, oh, Firefly is the greatest thing ever, but it got screwed at the broadcast. I'm like, man, Bebop, <laughs> Bebop, Bebop did it first. Yeah, <laughs> wow. That's, plus Kelps, that, plus it, Space Cowboys. It's like, yeah, Bebop did it first, like five years ahead. Come on. Come on, get with it. I mean, right. And wow, that's, that's like a completely different show without the main plot threads, I feel. Yeah, like, well, I guess it would have had the eps with Gren, but it's interesting not to have five and then the last bit, yeah. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Was the clip show ever released on home release at all, like DVD or any Blu-ray specials or anything like that? 
not sure. I've never seen it. Someone must have a recording it. somewhere. Somewhere in the depths of the internet, somebody must have it. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine that it wouldn't have been monetized at some point. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's Cowboy you know? Bebop, after all. Yeah, like, everything has been monetized on that for a long time, because it's been good money. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I feel like Bebop is one of those really, you know, transcendental shows that hasn't been, you know, merged and kind of redone to death, at least from, you know, my recollection. I mean, yeah, the Netflix show was was, you know, a huge budget thing and also kind of a, a a flop in many ways. But it's not like Eva where you just see it like perpetually existing across, you know, three three decades plus. Yeah, and I haven't seen any like uh razor blade tie ins for Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like computer cases that are cowboy bebop themed yeah the cowboy bebop shinkansen right (laughs) honestly i would be okay with some pc parts that kind of had that aesthetic but you know well the the other thing i will say and this is wildly off topic here but i think cowboy bebop is like trigun and it was way more popular in the u.s for a longer time than it ever was in japan I, I believe that's, that's true. absolutely yeah. true. And it that was, that I is mean, a was... huge effect on merchandising and all of those Definitely. other things. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, like... I feel like Bebop was, you know, sorry to cut you off, Mike. I feel like Bebop was many people's first, like, serious anime from the get into. I feel like, well, maybe not these days. Maybe these days a lot of people say it was Full Metal Alchemist because of age. But, like, people mm-hmm. in our age demographic, I feel like they're forced exposure to, like, you know, serious anime that wasn't like Dragon Ball or mainstream was definitely Bebop. At least in my circle of friends mm-hmm. who were initially not anime people, that definitely was the case. Yeah, being an Adult Swim launch title, at least I think, if not at least right at the beginning of it, was a big it deal. Was, it was right yeah. there at the beginning with like Outlaw Star and a couple of others. Yeah, no, that one just was continually rebroadcast for like five years or something without break At pretty least. much yeah um anyway yeah. yeah though it's interesting that the first u.s broadcast of cowboy bebop also got messed with because of 9-11 they couldn't air yeah. the teddy bomber episode and they didn't for many years i remember my my buddy who you know i was a long time you know gaming buddy of mine we knew each other in high school commented many years later oh i finally saw that teddy bomber episode of cowboy bebop on disc i was like oh yeah i guess i never did air it <laughs> so I mean, it's not that's not unusual. They did that with The Simpsons too. They literally scrubbed, you know, an entire episode out from existence because it involved the Twin Towers. So it's not unprecedented. Yeah. Um, but let's see. It's a segue from Bebop back to Gunbuster. I guess we can use the uh excuse that Norio Wakamoto does play a critical role in both of them. He is both vicious and uh coach Ota in, in Gunbuster. So he kills it in go- both roles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, what a what a what an absolute legend. Um, it's it's interesting to me how different he is from any of his later roles. Uh, you yeah, I agree. You only see kind of, you kind of only hear his like grumbling and yelling at the very towards the end when yeah. you um you know when he is uh, hacking up blood and yelling at Noriko. I feel like that's the only time where it's like the Norio that we know. But otherwise, he keeps it pretty even keel throughout most of the OVA. I guess we should give a spoiler warning for Gunbuster if we haven't already. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about all of it. And yeah. honestly, if you haven't watched it, it's six episodes of like 23 to 25 minutes each. It's, it's really easy to, to, to sit through and watch. There's also a 90-some-odd-minute movie cut of it, too. Uh, I would recommend either. But please watch this. That was the one that I rewatched because I had purchased the Blu-ray of that. So I actually did not rewatch the OVAs. Yeah, so that'll it'll be interesting to see if... I mean, Mike would probably be the only one that would know any significant differences between the two. But we can maybe go over that. I would if I had watched the movie cut more recently than like 15 years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, the movie the movie cut was done in... 2000 and uh, it was start work was pretty much started on it in like 2006 because it was like 18 years after they did the original um which i believe it's now been 18 years since that but that's because time is terrifying <laughs> wow. um was that part of the gumbuster versus diebuster thing they were doing yes okay they, yeah because they did like a movie version of each mm-hmm. of them as the got tie yeah. mm-hmm. um feature. yeah double feature and they didn't, as as I understand from everything that I looked and stuff, basically they didn't do any new animation for uh, for the movie. They just went and uh, basically cut, and the whole thing is at a well. They didn't they didn't reframe, so everything except for the episode six part is still at a four three, and then it just you know six the six episode six part comes in as a sixteen nine. Um, but uh, one of the things is that um, all of the dialogue for uh for everything was completely re-recorded um because as i understand it they had lost or had largely lost basically all of the original audio and everything and for the movie version they wanted to do a 5-1 mix so they needed to have everyone come back in and re-record everything um so uh the really yeah Yep. So the Blu-ray of that is, uh, it's kind of fun because, uh, they have a bunch, they have a couple of cool extras with the VAs and then there's a commentary track on it, which is with, uh, Maya Sakamoto and, uh, Yukarin, who are the main two from Die Buster, kind of like mm-hmm. hosting an interview session with, uh, uh, Norio, Hidaka Noriko and, um, Amano and Onesama's, uh, and, um, uh the the russia um oh, Jung Jungfrud uh yeah. Jungfrud and then with a special guest appearance by Norio Wakamoto coming in and going full on he start he <laughs> goes full on Wakamoto style voice on everyone and it's hilarious um uh it's it's a pretty ridiculous commentary but it's it's entertaining as as heck um so yeah that's that's what uh that's kind of the movie difference there. So it's 90 minutes. Um, having not watched the OVAs in a while, um, it does a real good job. I think what it does is it cuts out most of the, I'd call it the kind of the more silly stuff and just kind of keeps focused because they tried, they largely, I think there's much less is cut out from episodes four, five, and six. And they cut out a lot more from one through three to kind of make it fit for time and keep it focused on the overall story. Do they oh, cut out the Luxion bit where they catch up with the Luxion? Because that nope. seemed kind of superfluous. Oh, okay. Interesting. No, that that was like a huge thing in there. Um, yeah, that was like they that honestly, I think that scene is like ten minutes in, maybe. Wow. Oh, it's they like, cut a lot out. Then. Yeah, yeah. It's the like beginning. they cut up. They catch up with the Luxion. It's like yeah, it's within like the first like 10 minutes i think of it roughly 
Wow, I actually don't know how I feel about that. I feel like the pace of the... Oh, well, so I think we have a great barometer for this. So, Sam, this was actually the first time you've ever watched Gunbuster in, in its entirety, correct? Yep. Yeah, I've never seen any of it so, before now. All right. So then you watched the, uh, the OVA, OVA cut, right? Yeah, I figured I should watch the original first. Yeah, so I guess from being a, having it be a completely new experience for you, what was your, like, how did you feel about, like, the pacing of the OVA? Uh, I thought it was pretty great. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know at all what to expect. And as it went on, it was like, it was like, I thought it was like a big silly thing. But, you know, I was quickly proven wrong. I thought the pacing was, yeah, it was pretty good. I didn't, didn't at all feel like it sagged or anything like that, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that's how I feel as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's, it's, Gunbuster is such an interesting amalgamation of stuff. Like, I almost feel like this was really the beginning of Gynax becoming the Gynax that we are, that many of us, I should say, you know, kind of became huge fans of, where they're able to take kind of very silly themes and then roll them into a really... I wouldn't say complex, but just no. But roll it into a very serious and dramatic plot with a you know, with a tremendous finish. And mm-hmm. when people when I try to describe Gumbuster very quickly, basically I tell them it's like it's like uh, it's like you took a sports anime and a super robot anime and you mashed them together, and it's kind of what you end up with because at least for like the first two and a half episodes, I feel like it's very. I mean. It's no secret that the, the title Top One Top One that I was tri- like spoofing uh, Ace on that I right, which is a very famous tennis manga, where mm-hmm. there's a character that people refer to as Coach, and that's the whole that was you know kind of paying homage to that with the whole thing of Noriko trying to go from you know a complete sl- uh, slouch when it comes to piloting Mecha into being chosen as Japan, one of Japan's two uh, representatives, kind of like kind of like the Olympics of, in a way, but instead of competing for a nation's glory, you're competing to save the planet from an invading alien race. I, I was I was really shocked, as I kind of alluded to earlier, how like it it is kind of like that in the first episode of being like the sports anime mecha thing, but it feels like very quickly it gets pretty serious. I mean, it's still silly yeah. at times, but. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it was, I was. I almost feel like it's kind of um, a prototype Ava thing, right? You could like obviously, since I know Ano and like hindsight and all this stuff, I feel like oh, I see a lot of the beginnings of Ava in this thing. Absolutely, like especially the the uh, like the the you know clear white text on black background. Like I feel like it started. Oh, yeah, with Gunbuster. Like the you know you see you see cuts that use that and you're like aha so this is where it started for him at least yeah. you know as a director a lot of the like shots in the control rooms of things mm-hmm. and shots of like screws getting turned and 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 mechanical pieces moving and stuff like yeah it was cool to see that and what does Ano have with redheads with German names anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <true>. that's <laughs> actually a phenomenal wait is she German I thought she was Russian. I feel like maybe she's East German. If not, she's oddly named. She might be Russian, but she's oddly named for it. Uh, well, I, I should yeah, you, I agree. Jung definitely sounds like a German name, but when you look at her mechs, like the way it's decorated, it has like the Soviet like sickle and and uh, mm-hmm. hammer yeah, on it. I'm so. pretty sure she's supposed to be uh, 
pretty sure she's supposed to be Soviet because they were talking about that in the in the commentary being like, oh, how did you feel about this? And she was like, yeah, it was like so weird because like the like the Berlin, the Berlin Wall like fell like when we were pretty much in the middle of like recording right. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I wasn't I expecting to go from, uh, you know, Soviet back to. To becoming Russia, Russian. But I think to Mike's point, like her name is not a Russian name. Like it, yeah, but it's weird. also Japanese. Yeah, you know, anime producers, especially in the eighties, were not the most. Yeah, they didn't um, have the internet. <laughs> I mean, not to seg, not to to to, to uh, go completely off tracks, but I believe originally, uh, the character Z- uh, Zangief from Street Fighter was going to be named like Vodka Grabowski or something. <laughs> So like, obviously, <laughs> Japanese sensibilities for things like that weren't the most accurate in the eighties. Yeah, someone sure. didn't tell them that Street Fighter was not like things changed in a few years. The few years it had been since Punch Out. <laughs> um, but go- going back, just uh, it, you know, um, so it, in it, I feel like. Even to well, that's not true. I feel like Gunbuster definitely started a trend in uh, mecha anime because um, I I don't know if I'm the only one familiar with the concept, but I guess I'll throw it out to the whole panel here. So, are is is everybody here familiar with the concept of real robots versus super robots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, vaguely. Yes. I mean, yeah, I was so, actually just thinking how I would qualify Gunbuster yeah, because it's got a, a great, bit of both. Yeah, exactly. So this there's no I wouldn't say there's a a clear definition for both but there are understood i would say themes between the two for example real robots typically are you know they're based at least on some kind of pseudoscience so great examples would be uh uh, like the labors and pat labor right Mm -hmm. they are manufactured and when you look at how they move they don't look particularly graceful except when you get to the high-end things like the ingrams where they're like the top of the line you know kind of ones and even those you know they're 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 robots but they're still relatively fragile right like a cannon could do significant damage to to it uh another i mean the flagship example of a real robot at least in the super robot wars kind of definition which is what i'm going to use is like gundams Mm -hmm. right i mean they're a little bit more they're very technical they're tech very very highly technologically advanced but again a lot of the combat is still you know using munitions right using beam cannons using sabers using you know mortars right it's still using kind of relatively believable weaponry it's like hard stuff versus like everything else kind of and then with super robots you get into more you know uh preposterous sizes you get into the whole gut typing where they you have things you have two separate machines that somehow fuse together to form right a functional robot and then here's the key thing is you instead of do using traditional weaponry you very loudly and bombastically yell out special moves mm-hmm. <laughs> and they happen so going back to gunbuster you certainly get an interesting mixture of the two because they actually do a tremendous amount of explaining of you know the physics behind all of the you know, space technology in Gunbuster, right? I mean, I'm not a or physicist. Or at least in the science lessons, quote-unquote. Yeah, <laughs> right. I am not a physicist, so I couldn't say how much of it sounds kind of really stupid from, you know, from that sense. But they do go through extraordinary measures to try to explain why something like 
you know, the warp traveling, the time dilation, the, you know, and then, of course, how Gumbuster can exist and how it's powered. Yet, you still see that how it's, you know, it, like they're saying, you know, they scream out Buster Beam and, uh, you know, of course, the fam- most famous of all special moves, the Inozuma Kick. Yeah, more, uh, so, more common writer fanboy Onoism. Hmm. <laughs> and but at the same time, right? It's so it's it's this interesting merging of the two, and I feel like Gumbuster was probably the f- really the beginning of blurring the line between like real robot and super robot kind of rules. And I thought they did a really great job with it because you know traditional super robot stuff before Gumbuster was more like uh, Getter Robo. They even make fun of it in in one of the uh, science lessons. Uh, Getter Robo, you have. Oh, what else you have? Um, all the Gona guys, the rest of the Gona yeah, guys. Go, yeah, Mazinger, right? Mazinger yeah. Z, all that stuff, right? All the Gona, yeah, exactly. Gona guy stuff is a, a huge amount of it. Ideon? Um, Ideon? Kind of, kind of not. Kind of? I feel kinda like Ideon... is another one that's sort of on the line. Mm. Yeah, yeah I will... I, I'm not an expert on Ideon, so I'll have to defer that to the people that have actually watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Though, if Gundam, you look at yeah. how powerful the thing is, it definitely yeah. falls under Super Robot. And it, yeah, that one's a, that one's an interesting uh, that show. Is, I remember like, wild. wandering it's, into the end of a like which mecha would beat which mecha panel at a Fanime decades ago, and they were discussing whether the Ideon or the Gurren Lagann would win in a fight, and at that point. <laughs> Both of them are clearly not real robots. Well, oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. I don't GL know. definitely is a super robot. GL definitely 100%. is, but Ideon is is more like more like uh, Ava, right? I mean, for obviously, yeah. Um, so whatever Ava is in, I think Ideon is in. Ava is interesting because I believe. Ooh, I actually don't know what it's classified as in Super Robot Wars. It, it took forever for Eva to appear in Super Robot Wars because obviously the license was hyper expensive in the early aughts. So mm-hmm. I remember being so happy when they finally introduced Eva's into Super Robot Wars. And then shortly thereafter, they introduced Gunbuster, which made me even happier. So, But uh, going going back to the topic, so, <laughs> so Gunbuster in and of itself, I feel like we can kind of all agree, seems to really blur the line between what's traditionally known as a real ro- robot and what's traditionally known as a super robot. I thought that was really interesting because all of the, uh, I feel like outside of when they're actually piloting Gunbuster, which frankly is very little of the entirety of the OVA, it's very much has much more of a, of a real robot style show, right? You have pilots mm-hmm. that are going through their, mm-hmm. you know, their own deficiencies and their own, you know, their own baggage, right? And then of course they have the, pressure of by the way there is a hundreds of trillions of aliens whose sole purpose is to just destroy earth because we are the bacteria of the universe right isn't that what one of the scientists kind of yeah was saying more or less yeah and so besides but but so you know all of that feels a lot more real robot plot like and honestly the more i thought about it as i watch i see a lot of kind of the you know themes of what what the Noriko specific goes through kind of carrying over into some of the themes in Eva. I feel like Eva definitely took it to another level. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, I feel like in all mecha shows, like Noriko is probably still my favorite one, of, if not my favorite, one of my top three favorite pilots of all time. Just because I just love her whole like her whole story arc 
in six episodes feels so complete to me. And yeah, it's that's so when you think about it in six episodes, how unbelievably short that is. And when you think about things, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, start like a, a an arms race with other mecha shows, but you look at shows like Gundam, like various Gundams, especially Universal Century Gundams, right, where you have 50 something episodes of characters of a character becoming who they are. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that it does a better or worse job, but it's to me, it's so impressive. They did what they did with Nordico in just six episodes. You know, um, I'm going to maybe push back a little bit. Sure. Say, I feel like she does have good character growth. I don't feel like her. Hmm. Oh boy. What's, what's her co-pilot's name again? I already forgot. Uh, Onesama. Oh, oh, it's Onesama. Right? Yeah, Onesama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like That's her story is, is much more complete, right? Because it, it basically goes through. Well, yeah, actually, that's a great point. Well, because, right, the whole time dilation thing, she lives, you know, across more of her adulthood than Noriko does, right? Noriko basically stays a teenager for what, like 30 <laughs> years or something? Yeah. So that's kind of also the beginning of Onno, you know, keeping people artificially young. <laughs> but, uh, such yeah, a good, I noticed that. Good... I mean, teenager for ten thousand or twelve thousand and thirty. Twelve. Years. Oh, you're right. Twelve thousand years. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, here it was less. I feel like it was less gratuitous, right? Because there was a story told with that that I thought yeah, was well, really and, good. Yeah. And there was actual. Again, it's pseudoscience, but still, they established it and they held firm to the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. of the time dilation, which and is, it gives I think things stakes. I, yeah, it's which is what I think. Honestly, that's the part of the this gunbuster to me that was like so interesting is it's six episodes but with the whole time dilation thing it almost feels like you're jumping around with noriko and seeing like the time pass at a blink of an eye right like she's up in space for six months and all of a sudden onesama is a full adult who's gone through her marriage became the new coach at the institute right is training her best friend's daughter like this happens for her it's six months and you know even her reaction when she sees Onesama again after, you know, to her only six months, and she's this huge, you know, big shot, right? This commander or whatever. And, you know, it, it's so interesting. She's, she's kind of like, wow, you look different. And, yeah. you know, and, and I always, not always, um, Onesama is just, you know, so like so waxing nostalgic, right? Because yeah. for her, it was 15 years on Earth. And it's, so. it's Kazumi Amano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amano, yeah. Amano, yeah. yeah. that's what, that's yes. why that's right. So. The other thing I think I really like about Gunbuster, and this goes beyond just anime, but games as well, is they don't let the cast get too big, even with the, like, you know, kind of tangential characters. Like, they really, really just focus exclusively pretty much on, like, Moriko, Onesama, Young, and the coach, right? And then, yeah, other characters appear, but really, they, it really focuses on them. And really focuses on Noriko and and Onesama the most, right? I didn't even Yung, realize that until the credits rolled and I was looking at the voices how and I was small like, the, oh, there's how like small the cast five, is. yeah. Like, yeah. And that's what I love about it. I, I, with me, with, especially with like JRPGs, uh, those are, that's what I like. Those are the kinds of JRPGs I like more is where you have a smaller roster character roster and you do a lot more with each, each one versus a huge list of characters you can recruit. Mm-hmm. Um... They got a really chance to like because they didn't have to fill the episodes with other characters. There was chance for lots of breathing room um, for everything, which I thought was really great. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And for and for me personally, I I preferred it because honestly, the all of the main cast were like all. I mean, they at the time they were not they were all starting to get big. Like by then, Nori has been doing it for a while, but Hidaka Noriko. This was like right around when she started to really blow up because I'm pretty sure she did Ranma like a year or two before this as Akane. And then from and then she did Gunbuster and then from there she was in like basically everything throughout the 90s. Like she's right up there with like Megumi Hashibara and like going nowhere. Like she's just in everything after this, right? This was like one of her big big, you know, breakout roles. I I'm a massive fan of hers. So Shamefully, she's not one that I, I recognized, but I'll probably will uh, now. Yeah, she's. Uh, no, I'm pretty, say I, I'm pretty sure that Gunbuster actually was her first like real major because uh, Ranma didn't start until April of '89. Oh, so like literally right after Gunbuster, probably. Yep. But she was probably recording. Well, well in it, the middle it was of right anyway. around. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. But, I don't know how. It's. Um, it was one of the things I thought was kind of, I think it might be more of a anime thing or not. I think it might have been interesting for the voice actors going back through and doing the re-record as well. But it's one of the things noticing where you're like, you know, they'll have like the video of like, oh, here's us doing like the recording and the thing. And this is, it. I think it's got to feel much more like recording or doing almost like a play or something because generally and things always change with different tech but at least back at the time um that they were doing that i don't know if everything is now just remote out of everyone's closet or whatever but <laughs> um like everyone is basically in the room and particularly for the movie version like they had actually had all of the full animation because they were saying recording the o- recording the ova a lot of it at the time was still just like black and white stuff and sometimes even just like almost like sketches of you know storyboarded out stuff Mm-hmm. Um, so about that climactic final battle sequence. <laughs> oh yeah, but, <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. But um, one of the things I thought was interesting there versus like a lot of like film production is that they were all recording the theme, the whole thing, in order as it happens. Whereas in a lot of film production, I think a lot of TV production too. Mm-hmm things are largely recorded out of order where they could be like, oh yeah, we recorded the finale of the movie. That was the first thing that we ever shot. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of the um, Afro Echo stuff is, it's a lot more like, I think, I think saying like a play or a staged thing because it's all together in line or, or maybe it's more like a, you know, a table read for a movie or something, mm-hmm. but obviously much more. Um, on the on the voice recording is stuff too. Uh, Hidaka Noriko made the point in the commentary saying that, yeah, when we were in here doing it the first time, you know, for the original OVA, she was like, yeah, I was like super nervous and like kind of almost like embarrassed at like all of this yelling and stuff. And like Ano would like come in and would like try to like demonstrate like how to do like the scream and everything (laughs) and he she could tell he was just like completely worn himself ragged and to the point where he was literally like trying to like do the scream long enough and right and like basically like got out of breath and almost kind of like passed out on the ground for a few minutes and then she was like Uh, things you wish someone had footage of i know and then she was like okay i've got to do better than that all right i can do this and then she's like yeah so forever long you would hold this you'd hold that yell she'd be like no then you hold it for like an extra like three or four seconds longer um (laughs) jeez yeah wow so if this was really her like first 
leading role. I mean, she, I, again, I'm biased because I'm a fan, but geez, she absolutely crushed it then because, like, the, I mean, the, again, the voice cast for this, I feel like, is, is one of the big, I mean, multiple strengths to this, obviously, this, this over, but I think they all, all the voices, voice actors, actresses, and actors did tremendously uh i now i'm probably gonna go end up purchasing the uh movie cup because i don't know they re-recorded I, now i now i'm interested to see how it sounds with the re-recording i can say she did not sound like a newbie to me at all no so that was no that's really impressive first showing so dylan then so if in the movie did they even have the original like uh like over episodes what one through three op-eds then did they just cut those out altogether? they um they they basically they, they kind of did like almost like a a long kind of cold open for like ten minutes and then they played the opening like one time. Oh, so at but, least you got the happy go lucky opening and ending. Oh, but not the ending. Not the ending. No, no, no ending. Um, and it has the actually I haven't because I haven't watched episode six, but it's got the side scrolling side scrolling credits for mm-hmm. the episode six ending. Um. And the the opening credits are slightly different because it has like a thing saying you know director Ano it says like original version. Um, did they keep the eye catches in between, or did they cut those out? No, I have to go watch my OVA. I have to go watch my OVAs uh, again to to see all those. Oh, so so no gun buster. Nope, nope. There's oh, none man. of that. That's nope. part of the charm. I know. I there's so many way. things. Oh, that that so was something there yeah, were too like Jung Jung Frude, like she's like so hardly in it at all at the beginning. Like she's just like she's she's more in it towards like the end where like she tries to go down into uh into Jupiter with them when she's in her Sizzler Black. But mm-hmm. um which is a hilarious name for a for a I mecca. It. But it's yes. <laughs> um but uh she's hardly in the beginning at all. I mean, she's kind of hardly in the anime, too, really. Okay. Yeah, she doesn't show up until, what, ep- two, at least? Three, I think. No, two, maybe two. They go to, no, no, three, because by end of two, they're going into space, and then they see her at the beginning of three, I believe. I think that's how it goes. I could be misremembering already. Um, one thing that I found really interesting about the trio um, with, uh, with, uh, uh, Noriko, Amane, and Jung is from those three. I I can almost see how the that how they were inspirations for uh, Shimon Kamina and Viral and Guren Logan because when you think about how those three characters appear and their relationship in that show, it it's to me it seems very kind of similar because when you think about it, it's inferred in the final episode that after um, Amano decide to stay on earth to you know uh to continue her career that young and noriko continue to be the gunbuster pilots which is kind of what happened with uh grand logan right once once uh once kamina was done then it became like shimon and uh viral eventually mm. yeah and not exactly the same right obviously the way the characters uh were were different but like you know viral was just like intense rival character at the beginning mm-hmm. and then became that like the became kind of the anti-hero you know edgelordy you know ally at the end yeah so, and you know it, where he 
he even I, I don't want to spoil GL for too many people, but you know, where he's kind of like at the end saying letting letting Shimon have the limelight, you know, where Jung, you know, slaps I'm um, it's like here you can it's you can pilot, you know, you keep taking everything from me here, you pilot machine too. Yeah. Right, letting her have the, the the final the final uh hurrah, so to speak. So let that let that let then now let's segue into the climactic final battle, right? Since we're talking about this. So pretty obvious that there is never I, I did some research and it's really hard to find anything conclusive because obviously nobody's made official statements about it. But my opinion of it is that either they simply ran out of time or budget or maybe both to really animate a full multi-minutes long final battle, which kind of why it turned into a montage of the uh, what looked like the storyboards. But I don't know, Mike, do you have any insight on that one? Not really. Ultimately, I'm not sure it matters because the show is so much more about the characters than it is about the fighting anyway. That's absolutely true. I almost wondered when I was watching that, like, I I didn't have any um, problem with the way it ended. I actually liked it a lot. But I also wondered that, like, that must have been a common reaction of, like, feeling let down. But given what, what uh, I believe we understand about how the Ava TV series ended, like, it's possible that's just what Ano intended. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think it was necessary for them to have to animate it. I didn't want to infer that. I just wonder what the initial response was when you're being told that there's this awesome new, you know, uh, when you compare it to right, like the, fi- the final scene in F5, right? I mean, my goodness, talk about glorious mecha transformation sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, gosh, I, I still, well, that, when, 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 you know, Noriko first boards Gunbuster and actually, you know, does the gunbuster thing and just mm-hmm. that whole sequence is one of the most beautiful you know mecha sequences in all of anime and that's i'll stand by that to this day but when when you're given that right that's that that tremendous payoff for waiting just you know for nordico to finally you know break out of her shell and you see it and then you get into f6 where you're like oh now she's like the veteran pilot this is gonna be good and it's like just a bunch of you know stills and and exploding noises and stuff i'm just wondering what the initial fan response was to that i'm sure i'm sure it had to have gotten a little bit of a negative response from the fan base that's what i would guess sam i'm curious i'm curious on your thoughts of the you know the switch to the black and white and i presume the ova was in widescreen for the whole episode for episode six as well yes yeah on the blu-ray release on the original DVD and LD, it was widescreen. Well, you know, letterboxed for three, as it were. Yeah, it was. I I was surprised, and I I, I liked it, but I didn't understand it. Um, it was a cool artistic touch. Um, but yeah, it felt. It didn't hurt the animation quality, but yeah. it is a little jarring. I mean, suddenly it goes into the black and white. But I mean, obviously the character designs are still immaculate. The art's still immaculate. So. I didn't have a, a much of a problem with it. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was wondering, like, again, if that was like a time and budget thing to get something out there, and they're like, "Look, we can do really nice line art, and we could make this work, and do it without coloring, and we can cut out, you know, forty percent of our time." 
Well, like I was actually, I mean, I was paying pretty close attention to the, the animation for that. And like, they clearly still painted something. So like, even if it was black and white, I don't think that saved him any time. So that's, yeah, that's fair. caught me. It was weird. Yeah. There, yeah. there was shading, right? Like there was still shading. Yeah. So that's that definitely takes a lot of time. So hmm. yeah. Doing the last step in black and white didn't save them anything as far as I know. Yeah, it seems like it was a very intentional choice. Again, which I, 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 it was jar, and I honestly, I forgot that that they did that because it's been a while since I've since I've watched it. So I just wonder uh, if it was then, in if they actually if it was painted in black and white or if they filmed it in black and white. Like, are there mm. color cells out there? Oh my goodness! I mean, if they exist, they oh gosh, look about holy grails. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would do, I would pay unreasonable sums of money for several, any, any, and several different cuts in this OVA. It's again, I just uh, it, it encapsulates everything I love about older pre, you know, eighties and you know pre nineties era mecha sense of design sensibilities and like kind of the way the characters are, you know, presented. Also, Mikimoto peak Mikimoto character designs. Oh, yes. Like Absolute a, apex. They're clearly a bit easier to animate than his early 80s Macross era stuff, but they haven't started looking more like everyone else's character designs like some of his later stuff does a bit. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I think this is some of like the cleanest, like nicest, consistently nicest drawn thing that that I've seen like it is just everything is so precisely done there's so much detail in the background text and in the uh the various trains opening and closing and speeding up and slowing down and the all the backgrounds and everything there nothing was ever skimped to the point where you can see in the background of Noriko's room at one point she has a I think it's a, a, a small Totoro poster an, a yeah. Nausicaa one as well. Yeah, oh, no, I missed the I missed I missed the Nausicaa one. I saw the yeah, Totoro. Nausicaa and Totoro. Yeah, they were, the Totoro one's more visible because of the stark contrast of the dark Totoro and the green. But there was the Nausicaa one with her standing uh, okay. in the desert as well. So obvious. Um, um, the Nausicaa from, uh, one's like there. four si- times the size of the Totoro uh, yeah, it's, one. It, it's, it almost looks like a background. Huh. Yeah. Go. You should go back and check. It's it's that scene's so cool. Yeah. Um. And Totoro had just come out like a little bit before. A few months earlier. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But oh, well, on, but Ano Ano had worked on Totoro, so oh yeah, um, so it's not like he was unfamiliar with it. One of the other things of people, and I think it's I think it's one of the things that shows like you look at the credits there, and you know like even down to the in betweens, it's like everyone is Japanese people, and like just looking at the the credits for people on this thing, like the list is insane where you've got down to yeah you have like like keiji goto of yeah you know I saw that. he was a, he was an in-betweener yeah. yeah like not even a key artist and then for key artists it's it's the most ridiculous list of key artists ever who at the yeah. time all a lot the of them were a lot of them were reasonably known but they weren't not like they were all people that have gone on to like half of the list of key artists on that i'm like oh yeah i know like half of the things that they've directed and done all exactly. this other stuff for they've they all um, became titans in the industry yeah mm-hmm. it's um and, and it shows right i mean to me it's hard to find flaws 
technically in Gunbuster. You could not like the plot. That's I mean, I I would I I would argue to to the end of time. But when you from a technical execution standpoint, you it's so hard to find any flaws in Gunbuster. It I, I one of the things that struck me is I didn't realize watching it how old it was. Um, it looked like something that was like late 90s it was it looks like it could have good. been made in the 90s right yeah yeah i mean and it's we i was i was six years old when this released like my goodness how it's i mean this one truly is like wine like it just it, it helped i'm when i rewatched it i i won't lie i had this deep-seated fear that well if i rewatched gunbuster that it would actually kind of not hold up because i won't lie that's happened to me with quite a few things that I've uh, I, I've had an unhealthy attachment to. Uh, this might even be a really hot take, but I recently rewatched Bebop, and I truthfully remembered it being a lot better. Not to say that it's bad, mm-hmm. but I remember enjoying it way more when I first watched it than rewatching it, which shocked me, frankly. Um. I was gonna say, I think I think half of the people on here were kind of meh on Bubblegum Crisis, or like at least like eh, this is okay, but it's yeah, not like I was. I was shocked at how meh I was on BGC, considering yeah. it's mm-hmm. part of our identity for, for this <laughs> show. So with BGC, uh, for me, it's so much more about what the th- its themes and its setting than right. the actual execution of it. Yeah. With Gunbuster, it's for me, it's everything. Yeah. Like, it's so well done, and it's so hard to find faults in it. It's everything, the the story especially, is just the yes. the time the the time dilation stuff is just so expertly done, and it's it's not again like Anno is a master. Of this like show don't tell thing, where like he just yep. leaves you to kind of absorb this stuff and kind of wonder about what's going on and imply things between characters and what they're going through. Uh, just really masterful I, almost to the point where i kind of wonder if the um what was it whoever who did it? interstellar like i wonder if they uh <laughs> they had seen gunbuster before i mean I'm, i know this was probably a really common trope or whatever so like i don't have any delusions of this being super unique but to me gunbuster is a pretty important thing in sci-fi media um at least in the underground oh, oh for cr- sure. christopher uh, nolan and the, yeah yeah uh, his all of all of his related production and whole thing i wouldn't be surprised if me it's it's quite possible that he that he didn't personally but you know i wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those other things that we kind of discussed with like um battle royale and suzanne collins with uh hunger Hunger games Games and stuff where like no she it's like no she might not have actually watched the thing but it was it was then out there and floating around in the ether, and there definitely could have been some, you know, influence of that going around, because um, yeah, it, it has it, it, it has such cool yeah that that time dilation is done so well. Mm-hmm. I I'm hard pressed to find a show anything that does it better than Gunbuster, having rewatched it this yeah. recently. Also, the background um, art is fantastic, which I always yeah. forget. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that fine, that final cut, that final scene when, you know, they're you know, it's you're you're left to worry, right? Like because it's oh, this is the part. This is what I want to ask ask uh, Sam about. So again, having you being a big Ono fan and this having been the first time you watched, you know, Gunbuster, 
what did you think the final actual scene was going to be when you know you see Noriko and Amano um, drifting in space and slowly drifting into a a, a a darkened earth? Like, what did you think the final actual outcome was going to be? Oh, I had no idea. Like being Ano, I was like, anything can happen. Literally anything could happen. So I I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I will say that at the end. It's like what a what a cruel pr- prank the world played on them by by leaving the lights out. <laughs> like they think, oh no, Earth is destroyed. <laughs> and no. then what numbskull was left in charge of of spot checking because you know it's 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 an iconic scene where it's Okaidi Nasai, which is welcome home, but the mm-hmm. E is backwards. Yeah. So I was just you know I, I, I oh that just iconic scene. I mean, this is yeah. all time. You know, lives in my brain, rent free forever. Iconic scene. I've never forgotten this final scene. And, and in my you, you keep thinking. I keep thinking about that scene. Like, what? What is Earth like after that? It's like what twelve thousand yeah, right. years. Like, the, yeah. The people obviously didn't understand Japanese anymore, right? Like that is that, gone. That was my that was my interpretation. Was that they had kept around some little research, gotten something, but it, whoops, we accidentally flipped this one character. Yeah, but again, some clearly something of humanity that they maybe at least can relate to remains, right? Because they yeah. were at least given a welcome, you know, home. And you know, they then they did they ejected. You know, you see the little two ejection pods right going and just going towards them. It's like, hmm. And then you you see the light lights in the you know various kind of what look like cities, and they're you know very clearly there's you know very a lot of straight you no know, ninety ninety degree angles and like things that you know are in the middle of the ocean like oh man i wonder what earth is like now in the year oh yeah that's the other thing is the show starts at what the year 2015 oh yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) so uh, it's hilarious to me that in 1988 that you know they could say that by 2015 we'll have schools where we just train people in robots and they jump rope in robots i'm like oh if only and in otaku no video it did you know the launch date of something in gunbuster did get one of their datelines in Mm -hmm. there Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which also, the recap at the beginning of Ep 3 was interesting, where it was just showing, like, nothing, you know, big long science wall of text, plus then party audio in the background. And they were singing <laughs> one of those, like, I don't know the correct word for the form, but one of those male female call and response songs, like the ending for Otaku no Video, also. Uh... That was weird. Yeah, I uh, I found a little thing that, yeah, it was the uh, episode three begins with karaoke rendition of Otakolta uh, Ono no Rabu game, or a man and woman's love game, which was originally written as an advertising jingle in 1986 for Takeda Pharmaceuticals Gastrointestinal Medicine. <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> okay. Huh. Today I learned. It's just like such a random, <laughs> such a completely random thing, um, and there's there, I think there's there's a, there's definitely some interesting thing with the um, going from the the much kind of lighter hearted first three episodes into episode four, five, six being very serious. That that a little that was definitely lost in the movie which i think in some ways is fine um it's just it's more like it's very much focused on the more serious part of stuff mm-hmm. um but apparently kind of that that switch and stuff I'll, i can share the link there's a a good little blog write up on it um 
where like even like Kohei Tanaka, like the composer, like started off being like, oh, I got to write this is like a weird, like lighthearted kind of supokon, like a sports anime kind of thing and do that. And then it's like it keeps going on. He's like, this this is getting darker and serious. Or, OK, I got to I got to get more darker, a little more serious on them <laughs> on the music as well. Um, so it's even like people that were involved in the production themselves were kind of like, what, what is this? To the point where I guess like when they were sending out stuff for like Invertuners and stuff for some of the uh, earlier episodes that like some of the supporting studios were being like, uh, what, what are you having us draw here? Like <laughs> making us do all this complex, <laughs> complex stuff for Mecha trying to balance and all this crap. What, what are we doing here? Why are we drawing this? Um, so they had to kind of go like sell them on like, okay, yeah, you know, this it works. It makes sense. It's cool. Do it. One it thing did. both that might have helped with the shift for the audience and with their reaction to the ending was that it dropped in three groups of two episodes or three tapes of yeah. two episodes each. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. And yeah, the original release was, uh, yeah. I don't October know. October seventh, nineteen eighty eight, December thirtieth, nineteen eighty eight, and then July seventh, nineteen eighty nine. So there's actually a big gap between the uh second so Eps three and four and then between five and six. That was the biggest gap. Yeah, that's always the case with those things. And that makes sense. When you see again, I mean Ep five alone, you see the that the whole mecha scene. I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'm okay with that taking six months. I can wait six months. Yeah, and that's, when that's you okay. you know, the next ep preview at the end of four is well, we have the titles, but they this just got re- greenlit, and we don't have anything else for you. And then, I mean, I feel like Ep Six might have the greatest final Ep title of all time, like at the end of Eternity. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so point. Think about that. That is up there. Did you guys? Oh, did you guys? Uh, there, there was a thing in the science episodes at the at the end. Um, they had the two. They mentioned something like, "Oh yeah, hey, it's been six years or whatever." And and hearing that, I didn't know like when these episodes, you know, when these OVAs came out, and I had assumed that meant there was like a six-year gap before the last episode. But what was that comment about, or was I just those I... new science episodes were DVD release bonus, I think, or yeah. So my uh... understanding was that there was a very limited run DVD release for those and i think they were oh wait maybe that was for the u.s release um, i might be missing maybe mixing it up yeah but yeah or M- mike, mike is correct though anniversary ova release anyway it was something later okay those were, those were yeah. kind of fun yeah those are great you get that's where we get like vintage norio moments as well the the i really liked how in the one of those things where they were like uh where they're explaining the science and they're like all this stuff that I, you know, we all kind of know about and then, you know, Einstein and blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of invent this science, this mm-hmm. person in science history. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this guy before. Right. And then they kind of go on and on. And I'm like, oh, OK, they just made this guy up. And I was I thought that was really nice, like kind of slipping that in there, like into into history. Mm-hmm. This is how we learned, yeah. you know, warp drive stuff. Right. And how. It's, you know, the whole th- thing of, like, the, the plasma stream and all this stuff. Like, they really went out of their way to, like, make up the physics to be believable as possible, which I, I did appreciate a lot. Yeah, it was cool. Sorry, Dylan, you were going to say something. I was wondering, I was tr- then trying to look to see, like, how many laser discs each of the um, original 
releases was, whether it was like a one disc or a two disc thing. I believe it was one disc for or yeah. so three discs total. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like just looking at some dumb pictures on eBay, but it does look like I was just kinda curious, I'm like, huh, I wonder what the I mean they're half hour episodes, so they'd fit on that's a side true. each even at C A V. That's true. That's a fair point, yeah, because with them being a little not like fifty minute episodes or whatever, they could uh fit it on a a side. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's um so it seems like everyone is a thumbs up still on Gunbuster in spite of us having having various memories and not memories and hopes and unhopes for it and everything. Um and including watching it in different forms where my format was slightly different from yours, but it was also like it was it was really excellent, good enough that I watched it twice and the the commentary was pretty was pretty pretty silly. Um I'm definitely buying the the movie version yeah, so I can watch same. it. Same. I yeah. The just just the simple fact that they re recorded it that many years later for the five one audio is worth it to me. So yeah. I have no problems buying Gunbuster for fourth time. So <laughs> So here here's my here's my question and we can we can decide there but so Aim for the top two, Die Buster. Top top two, as it's called in in Japan, but Die Buster here because of the different titling of things. How... Well, they call it Gumbuster Two here. That's oh, that's American it's title. so weird. All the titling yeah. on it, it got it even got though so weird. the word Gumbuster is not actually used in it. So right. So, um, but so I have the Japanese DVDs from the original release, like. But is there any way to even like see that in the U.S. currently? Like legally? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not sure. I've got the old Bandai Visual U.S. discs of it. I believe it's. It seems Absolutely. so crazy because like I just I was just on YouTube and just watched the opening and I'm like, how is this not out? It's like the opening endings are so good and the rest of the show I haven't seen again in like at least as long as I've wa- hadn't watched Gunbuster. And I'm like, I just remember it being like super cool, good enough to, you know, good enough to, for me to import it all. Um, ah, apparently, you can watch it all on Crunchy. I looked for all it right. and I couldn't find it on there. Could it be a lane situation where it's listed, but you can't actually watch it? No, I'm actually seeing ability to watch episodes. I just. Oh, really? Oh. It's just yeah. called Gunbuster 2, Gunbuster not Die Buster. So. Oh, yeah, it's called so Gunbuster maybe I 2. Was... Maybe I was looking at the maybe I was looking the wrong way. Well that's that's exciting then. Oh my goodness. Okay, so yes, yeah, so Gunbuster two, one season so all right, we'll see. This is why this is why I have to ask these important questions. Clear, here. Well, so what we're saying clearly at some point we're gonna have to now go go do well that we're going at Die Buster because we're purists here. Yeah. But, or top two. Uh, <laughs> our top two is fine as well. Uh, because I will admit, my dirty secret is I've only seen through ep four of of top two. I've never seen the last two. Oh, eps. you should really finish it then. <laughs> I yeah, I I, I I it's not that I never wanted to, but it just yeah, it it can't it happened at a time where just yeah, I I didn't. And you know what's funny is when uh I don't I think it was it Bandai that released it domestically. It was the the Gunbuster versus Diebuster um two movies. I don't remember who released it back in what yeah, it was. Bandai Visual, I did the. It was released in 06. Release. Yeah, yeah, it was released in 06. Yeah, I, I bought that when it released, and I uh, uh, it, it remains unopened. So, huh. 
Oh, but that's also shame. par for the course for me. That's that's. But hey, we all we all have our our secret. Not not that I did not that I didn't love what I saw of of oh, Diamonds. No, that's, that's, that's fair. Furthest from the truth. I, I loved what I saw of it. It just uh just didn't get around to to finishing it. I mean, so now I get to. I haven't. I don't even remember if I saw it all. But I mean, based on vague memories compared to what I just watched, I don't know how it can compare. But uh, it'll be good to. Give it another to try. me, like not to guess, not to to go too far off, and we're going a bit over. But to me, they're they're very different because, yeah. To me, Die Buster felt a lot more like Abenobashi like in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Kind of how characters are <laughs> or, really zany and wacky, and, and a little bit of Fudi Kudi as well. Yeah, I, yeah. For sure, sprinkled it's in there, very which all, much all are great. 2000s Gainax. Yes, very much. Gainax well, was in the late eighties. Yeah, because yeah, it's basically Trigger at that point, right? That's isn't it Tsurumaki? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because uh yeah. It was it was Sudamaki. Okay. So, uh as I would love to talk for another hour and a half about Gumbuster, but we're trying to keep it to a one hour episode here. So, uh f- you know, time for, for final thoughts. Um let's open it up with uh with Mike first, our historian. Well, I'll own up that ending never fails to make me tear up thinking I'm not the only one, but maybe I am. <laughs> I got close, for sure. Uh, just love, love, love this show, and it holds up really well. Um, subtle thing that you can notice on the Blu-rays, and especially, I think, in the movie version, it would be a bit jarring, is the transition from 16mm to 35mm film for production for the final two episodes, so mm. you can notice a difference in how sharp the picture and the grain are, but it's pretty subtle. Just if the first few eps look a little blurrier than the last two, that's why. Oh, that actually, that's actually a great point. I never thought about that. Again, yeah, I'm glad we opened up with you, Mike. Always our, <laughs> our, uh, techni- our, our, our technical expert and our historian. So. Oh, another weird note. Um, just loved some of the animation effects, like especially in the visit to the Exelion, where they're you know they were doing weird things to try and show the flaky transmission, and one of the things they were doing was photocopying the image that they were showing. So that's why it goes like black and white and splotchy for a bit, like in mm. flashes. Is cool. you're just seeing flashes of a photocopy of what you're otherwise seeing. Yeah, I love practical effects stuff like that. That's that's my favorite. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? Uh, it's fabulous. I the, one of the things in watching the show, I completely forgot that they go back to Earth after Episode Five and then leave again. Mm-hmm. I completely forgotten that they're like, oh, they go back, and then Onesama has like a whole life. I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that part. <laughs> um, Honestly, but, I'd watch that spinoff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know what so that that fifteen years. I'd love to see a miniseries about that. Onesama's waifu laifu with, <laughs> with o- o- One- One- Onesama to Kochi. <laughs> yeah, well, and then she becomes Kochi, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, really, really great. Uh, another another fabulous thing that started to come out in the banner year that was nineteen eighty eight, and then into into 89 um and came out basically the same time as pat labor which was the other 
you know, huge, most realistic mecha. Uh, and yeah, it's a, is, it's a, is there a better year in anime? That's, that's 88, 88 is a hard one to overcome. 80, 84, 88. Yeah. Those, those two are pretty. 88. I think the only one that can hold a candle to 88 might be 98. 98 was definitely a dynamite year too, but. There was quite a few. I mean, if if End of Eva had pushed its release from ninety seven to ninety eight, then I then I might give it to you. Um, <laughs> but at, at any rate, because eighty eight, you get Char's counterattack and Akira and Totoro oh, and Kiki. I think. Uh, no, but or, you or was get Kiki? Grave was of the Kiki Fireflies? Oh yeah, Grave of the, that's right. Grave of the Fireflies and Totoro. Right. Yeah, you get to have the the up and down. Anyways. Uh, well off on the side. Um, everyone should buy whatever version you want to and watch it, and your life will be better. All right. Sam? Uh, just directly off of what Dylan was saying, um, I just checked. You can't buy the, the movies out of stock uh, at the moment, at the right stuff. So, But um, the two things that I, I did want to mention that I thought were cool is, one, this is apparently the directorial debut of Tsurumaki with the science episodes, or at least one of the science episodes. Huh. Um. Yeah, I he, think he was the director for the later science episodes for the OVA. I could be. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, he, not the OVA, the like later LD release or DVD release or whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever that thing was. Yeah. They they even call it out in the dialogue. I thought that was kind of funny. Um. The other thing is, I I really like their imagined future on Earth. Um. The one that stands out is, uh, you know, like this, their technology and stuff. And the one that really stands out is their gondola space elevator. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's so good. That thing's great. It's so good. I just never in a million years had imagined that like a space elevator would be like a gondola. And I was like, that's, that's so good. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Just so many like really creative things like their uh, little live photo things that they do with the like looping voice clip and stuff like uh, so many just really really great things that are not even really part of the main plot they're just kind of there and, and cool to think about what's what's going on what else is happening in this world and yeah i would love to see like some gaiden spin-off series about any one of these things and just be really cool there's, there's a whole universe here that could be milked for money like why are they not doing it i mean come on <laughs> Oh, all they need I'm to do to take my money is spend a few hundred million dollars animating that climactic battle sequence with the Do You Remember Love team. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> time to time to start a Kickstarter for it. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the band back together. Coming back to to Sam to Sam's point, uh, Sentai Filmworks does list the movie as as saying they do have it there, or at least currently for twenty one dollars. Oh, okay. well, we'll go well, there then. I'll, I'll head to Sentai right after we're done recording. <laughs> um, I, I'll wrap it up and I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, I think I made this statement off uh, podcast, but I, I will reaffirm that Gumbuster is my favorite Gainax property, period. I, after watching it again, I, I, was, I, I made this statement almost as kind of a way to stir the pot because obviously everybody knows I'm a gargantuan Eva fanboy. But mm-hmm. um, as, as a whole package and being able to execute it in six episodes, like it really shows what Anno's capable of at the helm. 
um it was mm-hmm. with just six episodes to me he accomplished in six episodes he accomplished with gunbuster what it took him 30 years to do for eva obviously eva had all sorts of other you know it, uh, things going on with it but just the fact that he was able to, for me to make such a complete story in six episodes it's so and, tight it's so tight yeah and no, nothing not a second of it feels frivolous not a second i don't feel like he missed anything he lets you fill in the gaps where it's appropriate like sam just described the world as the earth goes on right as time goes on on earth we see these developmental changes they even talk about there was that discussion um when when there's someone's going up in the elevator going back for the last time right um there she sees australia she's like oh australia is still so oh yeah so barren because the earth went off axis when they blew up jupiter too or not blew up but turned it into a black hole well, right they mined like, the heck out of australia they were saying too right right to make because um because of uh to make gumbuster three right which is basically a gigantic black hole bomb we didn't even talk about that but (laughs) (laughs) we can leave that for maybe a a a follow-up or when we talk about die buster but again going back um gunbuster my favorite ova of all time my favorite gynex property of all time just really one of my favorite anime anythings of all time i'm really glad we all got to revisit it i'm glad some of us got to visit it for the first time and enjoy it i recommend this to anyone even with the uh some of the dated sensibilities of it i feel like i can overlook it yeah and still really enjoy it and it's kind of jarring at times but but yes (laughs) for sure uh for sure but um that not not notwithstanding i love it to pieces and i really hope that uh you know i can if i can convince one more person to at least watch it then i feel like my mission is complete so with that, I believe our next agreed upon topic will be summer uh, season for 2023. So stay tuned to for that episode, uh, loyal listeners. And with that, this is Amo Kenzoku signing off. Sadaba.